Welcome to the Microbials Matter podcast, where microbials matter. Here's your host, Dr. Nate Haas, veterinarian and microbiologist for over 15 years. He is the Director of Applied Research and Technical Services. He brings his knowledge to BioVet, who has over 30 years of researching and developing products that support digestion and overall health in livestock. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Microbials Matter. As you already know, this is the place to learn all about microbials because they matter. But different today, we have Gary Grimsman, who kind of serves dairies really from coast to coast, north to south. So today we're going to be diving a little into dairies across the U.S., different sized dairies, what we see, what we don't see, what works, what doesn't work. And really, you know, again, painting that picture of how BioVet can fit into any location, any size dairy. And those needs across those locations are always a little different weather resources, as everybody is familiar. So first of all, uh, Gary, you're new to our podcast. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became so involved with the BioVect. Well, good morning, everybody. I started way back when, and it's been a long time ago, but I uh, ended up, uh, I was born on a dairy farm, Midwest Iowa or Western Iowa. And, uh, milk cows we had beef cattle we had hogs we had chickens we had everything so back then yeah yeah, everybody had a little bit everything we had a little bit everything and i always liked that area i mean i just did we you know i fed i was when i was younger i was doing most of the calf feeding things like that and you know interesting parts is things i remember is a veterinarian coming out one day and my dad apparently wasn't feeding his calves enough uh, energy and you know the winter time was and he was Mm -hmm. he point blank told my father he said you need to feed him more my dad didn't appreciate it at that time. I understand why. But, right. But then the other thing that came out is feeding uh, eggs to the calves when they had diarrhea. And I never understood that. I just, uh, why would we do that? Well, anyway, so that all comes around, turns around. It, now I understand why you did mm-hmm. that or why we did it. You took, you know, natural bacteria off of our farm and that's what you're going up against. So it kind of enthusiastically got me there. But when I was... Uh, and I was hired on after I graduated from high school. I was at home for a year on the farm, and then uh, uh, the vet group was out there, and uh, they were looking for another person. The uh, Dr. Casey asked me if I wanted to work for him and come to work and try it out, so I did. The manager at that particular vet clinic uh, said I failed the first week, but I passed the second <laughs> week, so I guess that was where I got started. <laughs> well, well, it's a good thing that I guess they kept you on or they gave you a second chance after a week. Yeah, that was kind of a... but. From there, it uh, evolved, and I was so I became manager of seven man practice, all large animal, some small animal, but uh, that's where it started. But back then, it was kind of like it was. Everything was geared toward antibiotics. It was geared to the you know, and yeah, this is treating, so. treating as needed, and a microbial tube. And I was trying to remember if we even had one, and I think we did have some probiotics in the back in the storeroom, but it just sat there. Nobody used it. We didn't use it. We didn't. It was, it was unheard we didn't pay of. Attention People didn't. To it. Yeah. Looking back now, it's like, okay, veterinarians weren't trained to utilize that kind of product, and it was never that way. We used antibiotics, and we did do some drenching of certain products, but nothing, I just say nothing in the microbial world ever existed in our opinion, so it was just like, okay, antibiotics is the way we go. Right. And from there, um, I left the clinic, uh, I worked there for 13 years, and then left the clinic, kind of went on my own way. I got my wife at that time. We opened a restaurant, 
So it was kind that's of a, a that's a different from, turn of events. Yeah, this was kind of going from here to there, and so I that was kind of one of the reasons we left, or I left, and uh, started helping there, and that morphed into some things. I met some people I, from World Dairy Expo, ran into a few people I knew, and uh, started working with another guy for a while with uh, calcium drenches and things like that yeah. in the very beginning, and that kind of kept me in that industry and with the dairy industry, and uh, from there it just kind of kept there just i kept going down that road and that path and a young gentleman by the name of bill allen from biovic ran into him up in washington at a show up there and he stopped by the booth and talked to me a bit and said you know who he was and what he Mm -hmm. was doing and you know he wanted to know if i you know would like to come to work for biovet didn't know anything about biovet but you know he explained to me kind of what it was went from there so I, you know, really didn't put two cents together. I just said, okay, that's fine. So I was back down in Arizona where I lived, and lo and behold, here he shows up again. It's like persistent, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, yes, he was. And uh, so I talked to him a while, and I just kept putting him off and putting him off. I was working with another company out of uh, uh, Georgia on some silage inoculant stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, so I liked that at the time. That was really nice. But he shows up again, and uh, so I finally decided, all right. So I kept putting him off, and one day he finally calls me. He said, all right, it's time to get off the fence and make a decision. What you want to do? And I said, well, give me a week, and I said, I'll let you know. So that was kind of the start of it. So 2000, or, yeah, 1999 is when I kind of officially wow. came on board. Mm-hmm. So I just you know, kind of went from there. But at first, you know, my role was with Bill and training and things like that. I was running kind of the southern half of the U.S. Mm-hmm. from California all the way across to Florida. It's a big territory, but you know, once I got started in it and looked at it and watched things happen and uh, how well things worked, you know, with Bill's input, you know, he was my mentor and he taught me a lot of things about where to do and where to apply that kind of thing, and it just kind of stuck. And and here we are, not quite twenty five years later, but. Almost. Yep. Almost, and and it's now yep. you have you can help tell us more of the story about biovets. Yeah, so it, it, like I said, it just it, the way it came about, I guess, is kind of interesting when I look backwards and you know uh, the events and things like that. I, that's that's what got me going. And then Bill and I traded places. He was a uh, national sales director at that time, and mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what year, but 2012 or 13, we shifted. I stepped up, he stepped down, so I took over national sales director back then and it's been fun ever since i enjoy this i mean i really do but the industries beef industry dairy industry we bob it is a company we lean more toward the dairy side we uh, yep. are very strong mm-hmm. in dairy because of bill's background beef is not probably our strong point if you will but we do have applications that fit the beef industry extremely well right so we are now working on that also uh, we're working some beef applications, and uh, we always had DFMs that fit that market, but right. we're also looking at some products. And for even, uh, I mean, uh, there's a few horse things out there too, as we're, oh, yeah. as we're, we haven't quite explored on this podcast <laughs> yet, but if you check out uh, bio-vet.com, there's some, some equine products and some equine stories there as well. So, I mean, you've, you've lived a lot of places in the U.S., you've seen a lot of places in the U.S., I kind of broke this into four big regions, the Northeast, Mm -hmm. the Southeast, the West, Southwest, and the Midwest. You know, in your experience, how different are the nutritional challenges in those four sectors in the United States? I was reading some research a while back, and, you know, when you really look at it, 
every area has different products that they can use that are locally grown. You know, California has a lot of different things they can feed as ads and you get into the Southwest, it's the same, or the Southeast, it's the same thing. Sure. But across the U.S., it, you know, either got nutritionists that go with a, you know, we consider starch and things like that, but uh, either a very high forage type diet or they're more into a not so much that way. Just uh, It just depends on the nutritionist. And the nutrition world has gotten much better. I mean, they're, uh, so oh, yeah. I, to deviate, you know, to look at across the country, if there's really big differences, yeah, there are. I mean, you you know, different corn, different soybeans or not soybeans or whatever they're using. It's just things are different. You get out the southeast, you see, you know, it's a lot of corn, a lot of grass forages. Mm-hmm. Mainly because, you know, alfalfa just doesn't grow very well down there. So they use, I mean, it does, but grass forages tend to be the king down there. But but everywhere else, it seems to be alfalfa, you know, grass forages, corn silage. Um, some of the newer versions of corn is out there now, milos and stuff. So we've you know, come a long ways. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, when we look at rations and, you know, Biova as a company, we, we really never get involved with them, with the rations. I mean, just as okay, rations yep. go, we let that up to the nutritionist. That's that's not where our, you know, that's not where we're there for. Well, yeah. we're to I make mean, they, they understand the, yeah. the, the, the environment, the feedstuffs, yeah. the formula yeah. you need to put it together, yeah. but. Yeah, we look at that, but we always, no matter what the ration is or what is there, adding two with bacteria and stuff makes sense. I mean, it's just, but that's still kind of foreign. If you look backwards at yeast, when yeast became very available, everybody was like, well, okay, I'll feed it in the summertime, but I won't feed it in the fall or in the wintertime. And, you know, at that time, it kind of made sense. Well, now I understand why you're doing it. But, and then now as it's more forward, where everybody's feeding yeast of some sort. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a nutritionist out there that doesn't use yeast. So we've looked at that too. So, and bacteria and this whole new version of products that are coming out is a little bit still a little bit um, uh, skeptical, I would say. I would say it's just well, not sure. yeah. jumped up there and say, okay, we're, everybody's going to start using this stuff. Nutritionists have to become believers and there's just a whole lot more to it. But, you know, dairymen want to see milk. Dairymen want to see, you know, you know, return on their investment. Uh, well, and they want to see healthy animals and lower vet mm-hmm. bills. You know, yes. that's something we talk about a lot. Uh, an ounce of prevention yes. worth a pound of cure, cure or whatever. <laughs> People, I think the general idea of them is, has grown that they're, yes. they're helpful. Yes. But I think some people still struggle with how that might fit into their management plan. So let's break it down a little bit by by region again. So I want to start um, in the Northeast. You know, what kind of do you see farmers facing as challenges in the Northeast? And what have you seen kind of work from a microbial standpoint to help maybe alleviate some of those challenges or help support some of those animals in a part of the country that gets a lot of snow comes to mind? Um, and, you know, again, Maybe their growing season's a bit shorter on some of those feedstuffs and their change in temperatures seem to to maybe swing a bit too. So, you know, tell us what you've seen kind of in that north northeast part of the country. The northeast is challenges, you're right. It's it's the weather. You know, winter weather is they get a lot of snow. So the Pennsylvania, New York market is in Vermont has been where we've been, you know, where we've got mm-hmm. some strong points. There, it's kind of interesting. It's it's not like it's foreign to them to talk about bacteria in the feed and what it can do for them, but there's a lot of not quite understanding yet. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a negative there. It's just, I think it's just not talked about enough. 
And I think when you talk to people and you explain if you want to put something in the feed, you know, of course, everybody sits back and says, well, what's what am I going to get for it? Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if you start talking about, you know, immune, you know, immune response, uh, health, uh, reduction of maybe what we consider acidosis, although that it can't see some of these things. And that's the part is, that, well, if I can't see it, then is it really is, working? Is it really a problem or is it oh, really absolutely. fixing anything? Yeah. yeah. And we've now... F- not figured out, but we've now been looking at hoof health a little bit more and talking mm-hmm. to some of the hoof trimmers and things like that because they can go through events and they don't even know it or we wouldn't even know it, and yet they'll show up about 90 days later. You know, heat yeah, stress and things like that. Dr. Zimmer and I have had that exact same conversation that, you know, sometimes it's a long-term play. You don't it maybe is. see immediate results, but, yes, you know, in a longer term you might see... Mm-hmm. Not so many bad feet, not so many Bettvilles. So moving on, you know, let's let's hit our neighbors to the south of that area, the southeast part of the country. So you're getting into, um, you know, some ger- some dairies and and really some hot and humid kind of climates. <laughs> yeah, that right. Through the the Carolinas, Georgia, yeah, kind of those area, Florida. Yep. Yep. Traveling down there, and you're right. Humidity is, in my opinion, it's terrible. But you know the funny, the interesting part, it seems like, you know, cows do acclimate better than you think they do. It's surprising that you would think of most of them when it's, you know, 95 degrees and 90% humidity, they'd be out there puffing. They seem to acclimate pretty well. I mean, it's not like they're not still going through heat stress, but they mm-hmm. seem to be able to handle it better than what you think. Because I've heard people that have taken calves out of Florida and taken them up into the Midwest. Oof. And them calves just suffer. I mean, because yeah. they're so used to the heat, and then you take them into a really cold environment. And that goes way back, uh, even when my working with the uh, vet clinic, there was a, a group that was bringing in calves out of Florida. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, of course, antibiotics were king back then, so we but didn't do But probably a lot of medicine. pneumonia going oh, through. Yes, it and, was terrible. Oh. And that, and that kind of cued me into thinking back of those days, like, well, okay, that makes sense. And, you know, you can take cattle from the Midwest and bring them down, and they, they do they struggle. So, Heat, you yeah. know, when you talk about things of use, uh, electrolytes is a, is a big deal down there. Oh, yeah. Um, calves and cows, there's a lot of dairies that are feeding electrolytes one form or another of different or the nutritionists just raise the salt content up in mm-hmm. the feed a little bit to help out. Or, I mean, there's just different ways to go through it, with, you know, expensive versus inexpensive, I guess you would say. But they seem to manage it pretty well. DFM's down there. There are some Bovet. We made some impact on some organic dairies down there. Sure, and yeah. that seemed to be a fairly decent fit. But again, everybody gets antsy if they don't see something. I want to see something. And that, right. And Seeing that visual, is believing. That, Absolutely. Yes, that visual part of, well, I didn't see any milk yet. Okay. We're only 30 days in. You probably won't see that yet. But, you know, you talk about the other things like the hoof health and things like that. And open their eyes a little bit more to the other things you can't see immediately, but you will see down the road. And that does come around that they start thinking about things and, but we still have to convince the nutrition mm-hmm. world. Uh, they're still pulling back yet a little bit. And if it's not brought by forward by them, sometimes it's no good or it, they're not sure, or, you know, the you technology know, we have is not something they have. Or It's, it's true, right? Farmers, dairy farmers in particular, the data, talk a lot about data. They're data seekers. They have a lot of data. Yes. Sometimes they understand the data they're looking at. Sometimes even I can't understand anything that they're looking at. It's it's a bit overwhelming. And so, you know, you start breaking it all down and 
and trying to analyze that and figure out your margins and stuff. And so it can be it can be a tough story to kind of tell. And and, you know, one of the things Dr. Zimmer and I have also talked about is, is acidosis. Does every oh, cow yes. have acidosis? Really, potentially at some point. Yes, sure even do. from little calves to yes. on up to mature cows. So it's interesting that, again, farmers rely on their trusted partners. Yes. BioVet, we know, is a trusted partner for a lot of farms. But yeah, you need that push sometimes to, mm-hmm. to kind of take that leap of faith into into something new because it's always a little challenging and scary for farmers. I understand oh, yeah. that. Yes, it is. Kind of circling around here if we were on a road trip, uh, Gary, you and I, uh, we might hit up your former home, Arizona, California, Texas. Mm-hmm. Man, it's hot. It's hot. This year especially. And, you know, you don't, we don't get the humidities down there that, well, the part of Texas that has most of the beef and the dairy and, and Arizona and New Mexico, it's fairly dry. I mean, it, oh, com- yeah. compared, we, we grumble when uh, humidity might hit 20%. And we think that's terrible down there. Mm-hmm. It feels terrible down there. But yeah, so it is quite different. I think for what we see as an industry, that particular area, it's a little easier to talk about. It seems like the that market is a little more open-minded to new things. Uh, mm-hmm. DFMs being one, you know, they're always looking for something a little bit better. And that area tends to, I think it's been growing a little bit back down there again. Down that Texas yes. market seems to be yes. growing again. I think it's going to be, it, but it is. It, it's still the same thing. You run into kind of the same scenarios with a nutritionist. If they, you know, if, it's, if they're not comfortable with what you're, they're, what we're talking about, they may look at something different that they have on their in their toolbox that somebody brought some, you know, information or data to them from. I think you know, there's just challenges out there. But we we tend to try to stay in front of them to a point where we make sure they understand mm-hmm. what they're what they're getting for their money, what they're paying for. And, you know, and the sad part is uh, bacteria has become somewhat of a commodity. It's uh, you got the very inexpensive type programs to very expensive situations or products that are out there. And I hate to use that word, but you hear a lot of this terminology foo-foo dust that comes out. And, yes. uh, you know, and they so explaining what we're doing, why we're there, what we can do, cap- what we're capable of handling and what we can mm-hmm. do for them. And acidosis is one. Leaky gut is one. You know, hoof health is one. You, you know, you can look at that. But some of those things, like you said, that you can't see, they don't know. Right. And milk is the only thing that they look at. And to just tell every dairyman, oh, you're going to get three or four pounds of milk. Eh, that ain't the way that works. Well, there's, and, and as yeah. we know, that's there's so many factors behind what's driving yes. Driving a milk production, you know, Absolutely. you get a bad batch of feed, you get a yeah. wrong mix, you get yeah. a hot day. Um, you know, that's just I don't know. I, I don't know a single company out there that can make a guarantee like that. No, and I mean, there's the possibilities, and do that, do things like that happen? Sure, they do. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, it but guaranteeing things like that, no. But health is the big picture. Yeah. And I think that's again when you talk about herd health and the guy looks at it and he says, "Well, I hardly treat any cows, or I don't, you know, I don't have this problem or that problem." You know, he's missing really the picture that you know it come it doesn't come tomorrow, and you can almost have a full lactation, a full year on products, and that next year you'll really see differences in your cattle, in your cows, and your calves. Mm-hmm. But it takes time. It's it's not one thing that just fixes everything tomorrow. It just that's not the way it works. Do you see it inversely though? That you know, let's say they're on a product and they pull it. Do they do they inversely see the reaction faster? That I think yes. the health starts to dwindle a little bit. Yeah, 
I would say in our case, yes. Mainly when we're using some of the more energetic bacteria, brings a little more energy to the table. And then when they take that away, it doesn't fall tomorrow, but in about within about a week, you'll start to see some backup. And sometimes it's not very much, sometimes it is, but it's just over a length of time that it slowly pulls back to where it was. So yeah, that does happen, especially when you talk about energetics. And that's that's the part that we bring to the table that not many companies, or really nobody else doing it right now that I know of. And that's also one of the more expensive things is, you know, to yeah. try to promote. But, you know, if you're producing energy in the room, and that's, that's what you're looking for. You know, uh, again, we're going off script here a little bit, and we'll, yeah. we'll get to the Midwest. Um, but, you know, talk to us a little bit about that energetics piece. That's a piece that Dr. Zimmer hasn't maybe touched on as much, or, or maybe he terms it differently. What kind of products do you have that, you, that kind of fit in that category, and what, what are they kind of meant to do? So, yes, there's one, one bacteria. So we talk about DFMs. Mm-hmm. And we talk about from the front of the, into the back of the cow, we're covering the rumen, and of course use yeast uh, and yeast components like that. But yep. we also have two bacteria that actually stay and work in the rumen, mm-hmm. um, and one of them utilizes lactic acid. It converts lactic acid into energy, so yep. that's one of the energetics. And then there's another one that converts like simple sugars, pectins, car- a few carbohydrates, and mm-hmm. that's the one that produces probably two to three times more energy than the other one does. Sure, yeah, and that one. You know, we look at that as that transition health, that fresh cow health, uh, energy status at day yeah. one versus maybe taking a you know a few days off of that, you know, where they come energy status and milk production mm-hmm. balance out, that kind of thing. We can reduce, we can bring those numbers down. And that product is a little bit of a tougher sell, I would admit. But at the end of the day, the people that do use it stick pretty well. If it's managed right and we get the details in front of them like they're supposed to, it does pretty much stick. You know, it's it's funny. We, we've we have have done some done a lot of talking about uh, transition cows throughout the podcast, as as our audience here knows. And yeah, that man, those thirty days. We talk about thirty days a lot. Thirty days before, thirty days after, first thirty right. days for calf and and calves. And yeah, energy always seems to be utilizing energy. Mm-hmm. Always seems to be the sticking point. Are we it converting is. it to the yeah. right thing? Is it going the right place? Are yeah. we getting yeah. enough? Yep, and. If you were to look at the organic industry, you know, they're, they're big issues, energy on energy status on their fresh cows. So that's, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we, we look at really hard with that particular group because that we can fit in that mark too. And that is, that does work well in that group. A lot of herds out there do use other products, you know, and they're like through the nutritious, right? And nutritionists right, yeah. in that, you know, the pre, pre-fresh diet, the fresh diet. And then when you add this over the top, it's not like we're trying to change what the nutritionist is doing. It's just making it better. No, just, we're, just, we're getting more goods yes, out of the out of the supporting feed. it, supporting yes. it. So, yes. kind of coming back back on script here, uh, the Midwest. Finally, um, you know, probably <laughs> as funny as it sounds, the other three have pretty dominant weather factors that play mm-hmm. play into uh, managing the dairy herd. But man, the Midwest just seems to be a little more of an upset uh, apple cart, maybe when it comes to the weather. We can see it hot. We can see it cold. We can see it snow. We can see it. Humid, um, you know, so what do you see from the Midwest here um, as far as when you start talking, you know, challenges and herds and nutritional challenges? Well, if you really were to sum things up around here, I think the Midwest does a really good job nutritionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying nobody else does, but well, we have a lot of I resources. See, oh, yes, you do. You, I mean, you have good corn silage up here. You got good hay up here. And this has been fairly decent. I guess not every part of the Midwest or 
I'll say just more of a Wisconsin, struggle this little year, struggle this but year, yes, yeah. Like, but you know, good corn silage. So, I, and I think in here, maybe because it's up here in the Midwest, and maybe this is where like we're at, and there's some other companies in the Midwest that sell bacteria also that people are a little more aware of it here. Mm-hmm. People are a little bit more okay. I can understand that. In the nutritionist world, I can't say they've jumped on board 100%, but I believe the nutritionists here probably, there's probably more go into feed that we don't know about that mm-hmm. they're going through the feed mill that we just don't know. Right. But I do believe there's there's more here. And we're, we sell quite a bit. You know, I mean, BioVet, we do really well up in the Midwest. And mm-hmm. it just seems like it's a little more talked about. Yeah. It's not like it's so foreign. And I think that that is part of our job. We need to educate and make sure people understand what we're, you know, what we're presenting to them and they, you know, go from there. So, well, um, great news. Biobet has this podcast I want to tell you about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, a lot of nutrition, a lot of metabolic. We talk about problems. We talk about solutions. And, you know, that kind of brings me to my next question here. We've talked a lot about the regions and stuff, but sizes of dairies. I mean, does that... Does that really matter or this stuff kind of fits in with any size dairy under kind of any management system, right? There's a place for for microbials mm-hmm. and microbial support. Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter the size of the dairy. One dairy being 10,000 cows versus a dairy that's doing 50. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's the same. They're, and facilities, you know, is a big thing too. You yes. know, what kind of facilities do you have? Because that does merit some looking at. And we do look at that quite a bit. It's like, okay, this guy's got really good facilities. You know, what's what? What do we feel our impact's going to be on a guy that's taking well, good care of his cows? We look at the feed stuffs. I mean, we just we don't do anything with it. We just look, but feeding good, good solid forages and there's there's that. And then you get the guys that don't have very good facilities that we probably have a bigger impact on because those cows are a little bit more under stress. They're, they're a little, you know, not managed quite as well. Uh, everybody's got those, but uh, the larger mm-hmm. dairies, you know, which the industry's headed that way. Um, it is, yep. You know, and large dairies and working with larger dairies is, is more of a, a little tougher, mm-hmm. um, I would say. But the nutrition and the nutrition world is, like I said, they're a little more aware up here, and which I like. It seems like they've not jumping on board, you know, just jumping, but they're they're now beginning aware that there's a there's a reason we are feeding these because of antibiotic rules and things like yeah. that. Treating if you can get a cow up and running faster and you know higher energy levels when she calves mm-hmm. and she takes off right away, that's what this is about. You know, yeah, this is really what it helps. I think you know we don't we don't notice when our transition cows are doing okay. We notice when they're they really stumble and they get that ketosis mm-hmm. and they get that milk fever and then, you know, it just really brings them down the entire lactation. Yep. But, you know, we just, we're always focused on maybe the ones that that suffer from that. We don't realize maybe how many are doing well or when the whole herd is doing better through right. a support yeah. like this that, yeah. oh yeah, hey, I'm actually saving money or making, I don't yes. know if making money, but you're cutting costs in, in, a, in an area and, and you know, longer outcome for health because you know out of sight out of mind right where right. farmers are always troubleshooting the biggest fire so to speak yep. shooting from the hip i mean it's it's what we love and what we get discouraged by i think um in the dairy industry so you know in your travels you, you've seen a lot of dairies you've seen a lot of cows you've seen a lot of people tell us uh one or two success stories that have really just kind of hit home for you that you know in my interaction with the BioVet team, they they have a lot of stock invested in the herds and 
are on the farms and you guys see it too and you feel it too. Tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe a success or two that have really meant a lot to you. Well, one I can remember from Bill Allen from years ago. And this is when I was first started working with it, which really kind of sold me on this, on BioVet, was we were out, I think we were in Georgia. And we're on this farm and he, uh, there's guy, the cow was sitting, laying down and uh, Bill just said, well, here, give her two of these and give her two tomorrow morning and she should be good to go. And the guy looked at us like, you gotta yeah, be crazy. He, you gotta be crazy. And it's like, so got all done and left. And by God, the next day, the, the dairyman called because Bill left him his card. He called mm-hmm. him and said, all right. He said, you need to come back and give me some more of them. It's like, I, he said the cow got right were, back but... up. He said the cow was up the next morning eating. And he said, he gave him the two more and it said, eh, she never looked back. Yeah. And, you know, he thought, the dairyman thought that, you know, she was probably a done goner. And mm-hmm. um, it's not like we were Rosa from the dead or anything. But, you know, it just, no. it was that look at that. It's like, okay, these things do work. Mm-hmm. And that's that rumen function thing. I think that's that's part of it, you know, getting that rumen up and running quicker and faster. So the other one is uh, one that just this year. Both ends of the spectrum. The yeah, beginning this, is, and this more was up recent. here. We are at a farm with one of the reps and uh, electrolytes. This yeah. was, um, mm-hmm. and the, the farm was, uh, the guy looked at me, the owner looked at me and he said, well, okay. He said, if you can improve the breaths per minute, he said, you're in. Okay. And that's how he, that's, that's how challenge. he manages heat stress. He, yeah. he, if they're, if they're breathing, I can't remember what he, he didn't exactly tell me how many he was looking at, but so I thought, well, okay, that's a good challenge. I'll like challenges. Yeah. So let's yeah. take a look at that. And, uh, I think about two weeks later after we started, uh, the salesman was back in there again, and he said, well, you're in. He said, the cows are relaxed. They're comfortable. They're not breathing hard. And he said, that's, it's the only thing I've changed. And uh, even wow. the herdsman commented how relaxed the cows seem to be and stuff. It's not like, well, that's what we're telling everybody. It's just that part proved to me that, you know, those electro- electrolytes work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, um, but to get that from, to convince him, because I had never heard, had anybody ever show or you know ask me that kind of a question before i've always looked at it but i've never you know he just when he brought it up it's like okay i think that would be that'd be a good challenge sir so uh so he's on today nice yeah it's (laughs) nice to know biovet doesn't shy away from a challenge so well towards the end of all of our podcasts we like to do a little segment called the elevator pitch so we kind of walk through the biggest take-home message and then maybe a couple two three points after that that big point so I know this is new to you, but we believe in you. Tell us a little bit about your elevator pitch. What's the big take home here about maybe BioVet and dairies across the U.S.? And then um, what might be, you know, a couple additional key points about just just BioVet and, and what you've kind of seen in your almost 25 years experience? I would say that BioVet's product line is very we have a very wide product line mm-hmm. and, you know, we kind of fit to just about any type of, you know, any type of issue. We've always looked at fixing things mm-hmm. and not preventing. We, you know, our, our gut was always telling us we need to fix things and it works really well there for fixing things. We, you know, right. somebody's got a diarrhea problem at a certain time. We have, we have the products to work with whatever scenario we can walk into. And that's the one thing, and I know it means a lot of products, which sometimes he really growls about, but <laughs> it does work. We really get good yeah. response from fitting our product line into certain scenarios that, you know, people just don't get. 
and it's management just, systems. It, it, yes, right. management systems. You can talk about that with calves all day long about the differences in that. Yeah. We have product line out there that fits just about every scenario. So we fit better than most most companies do. I mean, you mm-hmm. got some companies that have one or two or three products. We've probably got fifty. Yeah. And that's that. Well, it's more than that actually. But uh, in the dairy side, or in, in the just for the dairy part of it, it's about fifty plus. So again, we can we can fit it just about any scenario. We can fit into you know a dairyman who doesn't want to feed a lot of uh, bacteria, but it wants to keep something in there. Mm-hmm. Sure, we've got that. But we also got the one that. We feel like there needs to be a little bit of energy status, so we got yep. we fit there also because uh, we have that also. We have tools in our toolbox much more, much better than most companies would have. And I mean, I'd probably I'd probably dovetail off that, even though it's not my elevator pitch. But you know, something I've noticed again across the company um, is that you have the know-how nowadays. You know, a lot of people can can get things off the Amazon or sure. you know in their local store, but yep. BioVet comes with the know-how. Yes. Um, and can take a look back at the bigger picture of the dairy and say, mm-hmm. here's what can help or here's what we recommend where, you know, I think some of that is lost sometimes and maybe other yeah. other products nowadays. Yep. Yeah. It, it, the interesting part is you can you can try You can help fix a problem, but then you come back with now we would like you to do a prevention program. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get you past this part, but we can finish you up by doing it this way. So prevention programs prevention is kind of our key model if you will just because that is what it is uh healthier cows healthier calves healthier livestock it all makes a difference but elevator pitch i just you know that's that's i always struggle with that because i'm not really 100 percent sure how i'd say it but you know it is it's it's we make management easier i think i really do i think managing Mm -hmm. if we can get in there and talk management gets easier because cows do better calves do better uh, you don't see have near the health issues, right? And I think that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah, you can kind of bring in that full perspective, like we, like you said, any size operation, any type of management, any type of really feedstuff program. Yep. None of it's perfect, as we know. Yep, that's. But you know, BioVet has that that support arm for for farmers. So, well, uh, any any last thoughts and 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 your expertise today for our BioVet fans otherwise no I think that's about it I really enjoyed doing what I do and I think uh, 25 years eh, as long as I'm healthy as long as I can do my job as long as I can um, you know work with people but I like the people I, I do I just uh, people it's, make the it's the people but not everybody's friendly all the time, but, you know, sometimes people got challenges going on that we don't know about. But the people yeah. are genuine. That's the part I like, especially the industry. It's just, it's fun. It's a great industry to be in. Yeah, it is. Well, friends, uh, we've been chatting here today with Gary Grimsman. He's the National Sales Director with BioVet. So a guy who's seen a lot of places, a lot of faces, and a lot of cows. So stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, we'll be diving more into uh, again, the BioVet story and how they continue to kind of be that that trusted partner to help dairies achieve healthier animals across the board. Thanks for joining us for Microbials Matter. For more episodes and additional information, visit bio-vet.com.